Well, amen. Good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? We welcome you to our one-year anniversary at Harvest today. I can't believe it's been a year already. I mean, a year already in our new building. And many of you that have been with us on the journey uh, know the story, how we started Church for the Harvest, my wife and I in our living room, and I was just thinking Mariah was an infant at that time, crawling around and sharing to a handful of people and then transitioned to uh, uh, the uh, uh, Alexandria Technical College. We met on Sunday nights for two years, did the setup teardown with a little 5 by 8 trailer through the middle of the winter, and then Discovery Middle School for four years set up teardown until finally the church said, we've had it, you know, when it's 30 below and you grab a mic stand out of a trailer, it gets pretty cold. And uh, the Lord opened up a place for us temporarily, which was a long temporarily. It was the old American Spirit Finger Hut building. And we were in there, and we were grateful, and we were thankful. I thought we'd be out of there in three years, possibly five, but 16 years later, we were still there. But it was the right timing, uh, this whole building coming to fruition. It was the timing of the Lord, and it was just miraculous. It really was miraculous. So when people point and say, well, where are the miracles of God? You just take a look around. Because I wanted to build numerous times. And we actually, so those of you who know the story, just bear with me. It was November 24th, which was a Sunday, 2019. And all the trustees, we got up and they said, we can't do this, Mike. We, it's just impossible if we were to borrow uh, X amount of money and, and to be able to pay that monthly. And it's just, impo- it's an impossibility. And so we had to make an announcement on Sunday morning that we cannot build. And so, you know, starting this church in our living room, in believing, God bless us with land, five acres, beautiful acres here as a gift, and, and now we cannot build. How many know that was not an exciting time in my life? And so after that service, I think you could even go back if you find it, after we all announced we cannot do this, something came upon me and said, the will of the Lord will be done, and I almost prophesied. <laughs> I felt like it was a prophetic word, and it just seemed out of out of kilt for the atmosphere because we just announced we're not going to do it. But I felt like the Lord said, well, I'll have my way and my time. Well, about six or eight months later, someone there, I got stirred that we're supposed to move forward. And I really wish it was a theophany. You know what a theophany is? A real technical term in theology. It means God physically showing up in our uh, third dimension and speaking to me and say, Mike, Bill, but it was none of that. So I was actually a little frustrated, like, what's all this, you know, pressing? And finally, uh, I just had this tremendous peace, and all that was upon me was this, okay, you can do it now. That's all I needed. I wish it was more. I wish it was a bright light, you know what I mean? And wind was blowing, and I was caught up, and it was like, build now. So none of that. I was actually upset with the Lord for a while. I'm like, how come? And he's like... When I say go, you can go. And the moment we did that, money started coming in. And it was a time where everyone was locked down, tighter than a drum. Churches closed. 
And people were saying, you are nuts. You're crazy as a pastor. You're going to, what? You're going to build churches that are closed? Not us. We're moving forward. And it just moved forward, and money came in, and we raised more than we wanted to. And here we are today, a year later. Somebody say amen. A lot of factors going into that, and I want to talk a little about that, but uh, I want to say before I begin, I think I've already begun, uh, we have Church 101 today. We want to know a little bit more about the church, uh, meet the staff, that's about 1130. You can join us in the, uh, the conference room, we'd love to meet you, and it's about a 30-minute or less uh, time we get together and talk about the church, uh, and you can discover uh, about Harvest. Sweatshirts, you notice the people with these new sweatshirts, I think they're pretty cool, think they look good. I would have been wearing mine if they had mine, but they said the dye was messed up, so anyhow, but uh, here I am. Uh, but they're $40 each, $40 if you'd like those at the, in the lobby. Want to thank you to Cassandra Boss for the cookies. She made these amazing harvest cookies, and so we'll have a little bit of fellowship. Yes, thank her for that. And uh, just also on the Good Friday communion service, great time to come out. Love to have you. We receive communion. And then we have the kids, kids egg hunt. I don't know what year we're in with it. And there was a year that it was 70 degrees out. And I don't know if some of you remember, we had like 350 people. And it was during COVID. <laughs> I think people just had it. They just wanted to be outside. And, uh, but we're not going to have that this year. I don't know. All you people that have been praying for snow last fall, you've got your, you got your answer. I was hoping to be melted by now, but we'll be doing stuff. Katie's got a lot going on for in here, and we'll have some lunch for the kids and, and a great time. So it's a great time to invite a family, a, an individual, a friend, and uh, just to, to fellowship and come out for that. And we'll have our Easter service uh, uh, Sunday morning. Well, with that, let me just take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for every person here. Lord, I believe that they didn't just stumble in, but Lord, you led them. You are directed them here today to hear something that'll inspire, that'll challenge, that'll convict, and that'll help change the course of their life. I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Well, it's, uh, it's Palm Sunday, as you heard, week before. Uh, we have Resurrection Sunday. Uh, some call it Passion Sunday in the Christian tradition. First day of the Holy Week and uh, before Easter. I think it's the Roman Catholic Church. It's called Passion Sunday. Just a little information during which they all stand for readings and meditations from the Passion account. And it's kind of a, the feast has a bittersweet taste. Though it celebrates the king's triumphal entry into Jerusalem amidst uh, uh, where they shout Hosanna and, and uh, they have palm branches, uh, was also Jesus being led to his death at Calvary. Matthew 21, 9, the Jews treat Jesus as their king riding on a donkey, which was prophesied in Zechariah 9, 9. And so, so here we are today. And my text is, I don't have a PowerPoint, but Luke chapter 9, verse 51. Luke 9.51, you can pull that up if you like on your app or whatever, but the Bible says, now, when the time was approaching for Jesus to be taken up into heaven, one verse or one translation of this, excuse me, says, he was determined to go to Jerusalem 
to fulfill his purpose. I thought that was interesting, the way it's worded that way. The King James says he set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. Uh, a contemporary version says it like this. Not long before he was, it was time for Jesus to be taken up into heaven, he made up his mind to go to Jerusalem. I want to talk to you today about passion and making up your mind. Some other translations, actually in the Greek, it means, the Greek word is sterizo. It means I fixed firmly. I fixed firmly. He set his face steadfastly. He fixed his face resolutely with a fixed purpose. So as I mentioned, we celebrate one year at our new church building today. And we're here today because of many factors. God's power, his intervention, the sacrifice of the people of God, believing in the purpose and the vision here at Church for the Harvest, his, his miraculous intervention. He said go. He said it was the right time. All these things, our willingness to obey, our willingness to, to sacrifice, to come and to pick up trash and to help clean up around, to sweep and to walk through this building when the, when the walls run up and, and just pray and lay hands and all those things played a part. But I thought about it being Palm Sunday today and it's called Passion Sunday I thought one of the most important factors was having passion. Passion brought us to this point. Yeah. I want you to think about that. A major factor was passion. We had a fixed purpose. We had a made-up mind. When God said go, then we make up our mind. Amen. And the Bible says a double-minded man or woman is unstable in all their ways. Amen. So double-mindedness can affect you not reaching your potential in Christ. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? And so a definition of passion means intensity, a driving, an overmastering feeling, a, a conviction. Uh, Ron and I were working on our log line. That's kind of a thing in the business corporate world where it's instead of, you know, your elevator speech, it is something really short and concise. And we were working on those. And I, I have mine here. It says, I am a pastor who empowers people to discover their potential in God because I believe your best life is found in following him. That's my log line. That's not who I am totally. I can do a lot of other things, but as a pastor, that's, uh, that, that, that's what we do. That's what we do. And so harvest, our focus is continually forward thinking while also being present to serve the needs at hand. Uh, our vision is lives transformed, equipped, and empowered to lead. That's what's on these shirts. That's our, that's our passion. That's part of our passion. And our mission is very simple, to do what it takes to reach people and to disciple them. And so uh, we've got a thematic goal and all these other things that you can, you can read about and why we exist and our purpose and all that. But today, I just want to focus on uh, this special day and helping you discover or find your passion in life. And so uh, someone said, nothing great in this world has ever been accomplished without passion. John Maxwell said, a great leader's courage to fulfill his vision comes from passion, not position. President Trump said, without passion, you don't have energy. Without energy, you have nothing. <laughs> Good to hear that word again. Amen. President Steve Curry, an American professional basketball player for the San Francisco Golden State Warriors of the NBA, he said, it doesn't matter where you come from, what you have or don't have, or what you lack. Oh, what you have too much of, 
But all you need to have is faith in God and an undying passion for what you do and what you choose to do in this life and a, a relentless drive in the will to do whatever it takes to be successful in whatever you put your mind to. And he says success is not an accident. Success is actually a choice. So as I mentioned, one of my roles as a pastor is to help people reach their potential in Christ Jesus and to discover their God-given gifts and abilities and passions in their heart, and, and not only that, but inspire them to fulfill that, to step out. And I look around and I see many familiar faces of those that we've helped along the way and empowered, and my wife pouring in and seeing them in effective ministry today and, and in their life and having a family, being married and doing weddings for many, many of you young people. And, and just that, that's a tremendous blessing to see you fulfill your purpose in life as a pastor. You know, I think of uh, when uh, Noah, the Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. He preached for 120 years. Think about that. And nobody got saved. <laughs> nobody but his family joined him on the ark. So I think we're doing pretty good. Amen? <laughs> so so the, the Lord is good. Amen? <laughs> That's going to be pretty hard after 120 years. And nobody wants to get in the boat with you but your kids. Because they have to. They're your three sons, you know? Anyhow... <laughs> I thought that was funny. but <laughs> So how does someone find their passion? He asked these three questions. What do you sing about? What do you cry about? What do you dream about? What makes you happy? You know, if you're unhappy, that could be a challenge. And there are many unhappy people today, and they've lost focus, and they've lost purpose for their life, and they're hunkering down full of terror, no hope for the future. You know, serving Jesus gives you hope for the future. As dark as it gets, we still have a bright future. We serve an awesome God. Could you say amen? So the first two questions speak about what touches you at a deep level. What do you sing about? What do you cry about? And the third answers what will bring you fulfillment tomorrow. So the answer to these questions can often help you discover your true passion. Now, while everybody can possess passion, not everyone takes the time to discover it. And that's really sad. That's, that's a shame. And so I want to touch on briefly, not do a deep dive, about discovering your passion. Uh, passion is the fuel for the will, if I could say it that way. Passion is fuel for the will. What we accomplish in life is based less on what we want and more on how much we want it. The secret to willpower is what someone once called want power. People who want something enough usually find the willpower to achieve it. In the natural, my wife and I, when we moved out here, it was, uh, we were here for a little bit in 1990 to 92, went back out east and came back on staff in 1993. I was about 28, 29 years old at that time. And when I moved this time, I had a passion to get land. I wanted to buy some land. And uh, at that time, land was 750 bucks an acre. Come on, somebody. Uh, <clears throat> those days are gone. But, but I, I found this parcel, and it was 20 acres of land, and so we scraped, literally scraped together enough for a down payment, and we bought this, and then the first thing on my mind is, I want to build on this property. I want to build a house. And uh, uh, I had my father-in-law, who was an architect at that time, and kind of draw up a very, very basic slab-on grade. It was actually a crawl space, uh, and we got prices on it. It was just... just it was just too much. We weren't able to do it. So I said, I'm going to build it. 
<laughs> now, that's dangerous if you don't have the ability. But I, I had, in my, in my background, you know, and my uncles, they're all, they were in the fuel business. My grandpa was a mason. He cut stone, and they were electricians. They were plumbers. They had ice business. They're all hands-on people. They were mechanics. They started the first automotive uh, 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 Exxon, SO in Pine Plains, New York. And all of them worked there and pulling engines apart. And, and so I remember my daughter one time, we were working on a house and we're up in the attic. She said, Dad, how do you know this stuff? I went, I just don't know. I think things are just passed down for some people and ability. I said, I, that's a great question. But I did lean in and I studied and I learned. You have to know what code is and certain things and and with footings and doing things properly when re-rod. And, and so we did that. And, and my wife and I think my son was just a few years old. And, and my brothers helped. And we, we built this first house. And it was amazing. And, uh, you know, you work until 11, 12 o'clock at night. You know, the mosquitoes in Minnesota come out around like, what, 839? They eat you alive to about 1030. Then they go to bed. It was like we stayed out beyond the mosquitoes, you know. I was like, where did the mosquitoes go? They got all your blood and they're gone. And we worked, and we built our first house. And it wasn't ostentatious, but it was our first home. And we loved it, and we, we were so thankful. Why? I had a passion. I had a passion that we can do this. We can do this. And, and my wife was with me along the journey. You know, you can't help people become overcomers unless they want to overcome. Champions become champions from within, not from without. So here's the thing. Power flows out of passion. Where is the passion in your life? The passion. Some of you think, oh, wow, Pastor Mike, I feel flat. The passion is gone. Acts 1.8. Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem, and you will receive power. Somebody shall power. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you, the Holy Spirit, for there to be power, there first must be passion. All right? Because power flows out of passion. It's amazing how power comes alongside those that are passionate. Those that are not passionate, no power flows, and you wonder why. Amen. I'm trying to jack you up a little here this morning. Now, there are three classes of people, those who don't know what they like to do. And you can beside that, they're confused. They have a confused look on their life. They don't know what they want to do. They have no clue and kind of get up in the morning and they go through life and nobody seems to be there. They're just there and, and uh, they don't know what they want to do. And you ask them, what would you like to do? And they just kind of look at you with a blank face and they have no clue. How many with me say amen? Now, in fairness, a lot of young people growing up today, they don't know what they want to do. But take the time to discover your passion now. Okay? Take the time to discover it. So the first kind of person, the one that doesn't know what they like to do. And here at Harvest, our desire and our passion is to help you locate your passion, which I believe first through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I think that's the key in finding your passion. Can people have passion and not know the Lord? Absolutely. Uh, they know what they want to do, and they're focused with that. But as, as believers, as a church of the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that your true purpose flows first through a relationship with Jesus Christ. With that relationship with Jesus Christ, you can discover what God has called you to do. How many with me say amen? amen. The second class, a person knows what they would like to do, but they don't do it. 
And so you could put besides that, they are frustrated. They are frustrated. In other words, they know what they'd like to do. And, and in fact, they'll tell you what they'd like to do. And we'd like to do this. And I want to do that someday. And then, well, that's great. And, and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to go here. And I'm going to go there. And well, then you ask them, why aren't you there? Or why don't you do that? And they just don't. They just don't do it. In other words, they know what they like to do, but they don't do it. In other words, they don't seem to have the initiative. They don't seem to have the energy. Am I speaking to anyone this morning? The, to, to, you know, whatever it takes to, to kind of get out there and kind of go through life, and, uh, but they're not doing it, and so they are a frust- they're very frustrated in life. And you'll know immediately when you meet someone like that and uh, you know, sadly, they're in their 40s, maybe 50s and 60s, and some people in their 70s, and, and uh, they're, they're maybe angry, and they're disappointed, and they have hope deferred, and, well, what did you want to do? If I always wanted to be a cop, well, why aren't you? Well, you just didn't do it. You didn't go to school to become a, come on, somebody. I met someone like that. I'm like, you came, you moved out here, the tech school is right, it's right, it's in walking distance, and you always wanted to be a cop, but you're not a cop. Why? just didn't do it. Come on. Am I speaking to anybody? All right. So the third, the third class, and people are those who do what they like to do, and, and you can put beside that, they are fulfilled, and they have a sense of significance in their life, and, and they're saying, you know, I'm accomplishing something that brings worth to me, and it brings worth to others, and they really enjoy what they're doing. And it's not saying they don't have other passions, but they feel good about what they're doing. And and really, this message is for the second class of people, those that know what they'd like to do, but they, they just don't do it. And the question would be why. So, so how can we help someone to do what they like to do if they're not doing it? Some questions I want to just to help locate your passion. The first one is, do I like what I'm doing now? So you got to ask yourself, do I like what I'm doing now? Don't shout out, no, right now. Just hold your peace. <clears throat> but that's where you want to start. You know, when I was younger, I would constantly meet people that they didn't like what they were doing. Salespeople would come in, made pristine pay. Me, you know, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to do this, you know, like, well, I just do this for now because I just do it because I got to do it, pays the bills. And I remember <clears throat> working in dry cleaning, and I was in the North Shore, Massachusetts, very affluent area. And there was a banker that he hired me to be his dry cleaner. He had a number of dry stores, and then he had the plant. And just getting to know him, he knew nothing about dry cleaning. And so he was on a huge learning curve. But he had money. He was a banker. And he said, I made pristine pay, but I wanted to own my own business. I said, okay, now that you have your own business, how do you like it? He goes, I hate it. (laughs) And he had all these dry cleaning things. I hate it. I just can't stand it. And I'm like, well, when you got out of the banking world and you had money, what did you want to do? It's like, I want to be a hang glider. I love hang gliding and I want to be an instructor. I went, you're nuts, you know. <laughs> but he started pulling out pictures. It was on, you know, you know, his stuff in his wallet back then and it was photos and, oh, I love this and I love that and I like to train and I want to have teams. And I'm like, you're crazy. And then I shared with him at that time that we were transitioning to come to Minnesota. And we were, you know, there in New England and I gave him my notice and and gave him enough time, and, and he's like, Mike, I hate to see you go. He said, but he said this, he said, Mike, follow your passion. It's the only way to truly live. Amen. You know, I understand life happens. It happens to all of us. I get it. But why would you spend your whole life doing something that you don't like to do? 
Preach, Pastor Mike. I believe I will. Now, now, here's the thing. This is the big takeaway. If you get anything about what to share here is this. There's only one guarantee regarding passion. If you don't follow it, you'll have regrets. And that's powerful. That's powerful. So, when trying to get to your place where you need to be, uh, the first question you need to ask yourself is, do I like what I'm doing now? And that's a great question. If you do, the rest of this message is going to be easy. If not, well, let's continue. The second question I would say you need to ask is, what would I like to do? <laughs> what would we like to do? It's not really deep. It's a very simple question, but what do you want to do? What's in your heart to do? Horst Schultz, who was the former COO of the Ritz-Carlson, he says, you are nothing unless it comes from your heart. Passion, caring, really looking to create excellence. If you perform functions and go to work only to do processes, then you are effectively retired. Watch this. If you go to work only to fulfill the processes and functions, then you are basically a machine. That's all. You're just picking up stuff, moving stuff, and your heart is somewhere else. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? You're just a machine. You, you have to bring passion and commitment and caring. Then, then you're a human being, all right? That's so true. Here's what I know about passion. Passion is the great energizer. It will energize you. You show me a person with passion, I'll show you a person that has energy. And you can pick that out. I remember one time, and this guy, had, he had lost his leg. It was an amputee, and he had, it, looked, it looked like a Captain Hook thing where it was just a stick down. There was no shoe on it. This is going back in the 70s. And they would come and pick up the dumpster. He was, he was working as a, 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 the dump, he worked for the company that's the trash removal. It wasn't waste management back then, but they would pick up the dumpster and, and uh, dump the trash. But he came off, he jumped off the back, and he grabbed the, you know, the trash machine, he threw him in. I went over to just talk to him like I'm just a kid. He loved his job. He was so passionate that he had a job and that he could do that. And I just thought, you know what? Passion is the great energizer. When someone says, well, you know, I'm just a, a low-energy person, what they're really saying is, you have no, I have no passion. That's really what they're saying. They don't know what I'm supposed to do. I haven't found that yet. You show me a person that has passion. I'll show you a person, person that has energy. Why? Because passion creates energy. Not only is passion the great energizer, but passion is also the foundation for excellence. Excellence. Show me a person that's passionate about what they do, and they want to do it well. That's one thing my wife and I, you know, it's really kind of a crapshoot. Maybe I don't know if I should say that, but when you get married, if you don't have God at the center, you're not going to make it, all right? And even with the Lord at the center, you don't know that person, everything about them, right? I had no idea when I said I do to my wife how organized she was. I knew a little bit, but I found out how organized she was, how clean she was, and how, you know, she was just, uh, she had that uh, tremendous ability of organizational, and she could see things and fit things in and organize things, and just, she just had a strength about her. Uh, she didn't know about me. There was a, a kind of a, a funny but a little painful thing for me when we were first dating. Uh, she said, well, I need to get my car, I need an air filter. And I said, I'll take care of that. I know that's, that's, that's my wheelhouse. 
I'll get you an air filter. Well, she didn't listen, so she went to the dealership. <laughs> you know, you get cha-ching, you know. Well, $26 later, she had her air filter changed. I said, it's four bucks at Pep Boys. I got to go. But she didn't know. Come on, somebody. I know. And so it takes time. And so it's really, it's a miracle bringing us together that how we love things that are excellent. We don't want handwritten things pinned to a wall. It's got to be nice. Come on, somebody. If the light's blown somewhere, it bothers me. You know, we got to get uh, things, they bother me when it's not excellent. Why? Because I have a passion about the church. I have a passion about the kingdom of God. Do those things matter? You better believe they matter. They matter to those who it matters to them. Amen. And every time I walked up for 16 years on those steps, I watched them for 16 years in the old building start to corrode, start to corrode. And I would see that every day. Most people, they don't see it. They just come in. But I see those things, okay? What am I talking about? Talking about passion is a great energizer. And so you show me a person that's passionate about what they do. They want to do it well. Whatever it is, they want to do it well. They want to do it with excellence and energy, and that energy, that excellence factor, um, what that does is that equals success, and passion provides both of them. See why this is so important. Let me just give you an illustration also about me growing up in elementary school, quickly here, junior high school. And I really, I was not prepared for my calling, and I just didn't, I didn't know who, I didn't even know who I was, actually, growing up, and I hated school. It was full of daily stress. I attended uh, um, an elementary school in Brockton, and junior high was just adversarial, and then I went to Brockton High that had 7,000 students, post-baby boomer school, high school, four huge wings, and for classrooms. My classrooms, you know, some of you grew up in here in Mill, Minnesota, and classrooms had about 25 or 30 kids. I had 100 kids in my class. So when they said, who does not understand this? Who's going to raise their hand, you know, at, at nine years old and go, I don't get it, and there's 100. So it was a disaster. School was horrible for me, and I didn't, couldn't really grasp anything. And well, I was like, when I got old enough, uh, there was bullies and you know, it had to hide under steps when the bullies come down. And it was just no sense of security and safe to learn anything. And it was just, it was just horrible. But so after I graduated in 1982, I was like, I got to get out of the house. And I signed up and joined the Marine Corps, went into the Marines. And, and then I began to discover some things of what I was good at. And because I was around 80 other Marines, uh, you know, guys becoming Marines in boot camp. And one of the things they would do <laughs> is uh, <clears throat> they, would, uh, they, would, they, they would tell you to get up in the morning at 4.35 in the morning. You don't have to stand on line. There was a line you had to stand at attention because you're in your basically underwear, your skivvies. And everybody, Mariah, you remember this. <laughs> <laughs> and the women put your hand at a certain distance, and then they would count off. So we had every, you know, everyone was there. Nobody jumped ship, tried to swim and get out of there the night before. And then the drill instructor would say this, get dressed, now move. And he would time you. You had two minutes to get dressed. Somebody shout two minutes. <laughs> Some of you, it takes two minutes to pull the makeup out. And, <laughs> and so in two minutes, boom, everything was on me. My boot was blossoming. I'm standing there, and the drill instructor's looking at me. This God bless him. There was guys still trying to get one sock on, <laughs> and I'm done. 
And so I thought, hmm, I'm pretty good at this. Now, maybe, you know, it's something basic, but I realized something. I realized there was some things that I was good at. How many with me say amen? And, and uh, I knew that after the military service, I was supposed to go to Christ for the nations and, and begin to, to grow myself and, and, uh, and go into to, to ministry is what I felt. But my point was is that after the military, going into Christ for the nations, knowing this is, I believe, my passion, called to ministry, it was like the first time in my life I began to study. It was like the, I began to fast, I began to pray, I began to seek the Lord, I began to dig deep, and uh, my conversation, if you talk with me more than five minutes, it was back to the Lord and theology and things about theology, and, and I, 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 I mean, people weren't even supportive of that, and regardless, it didn't matter, I was passionate, I found my passion, I found it, it was like, it was like when I met my wife, and I had a friend that knew her, and we went to the gym, and after he talked, he goes, well, what do you think about her? And he was real short, and, and he had a girlfriend, and he was, I was like, wow, yeah, it would be great, but I don't think she likes me. I don't know. He goes, no, she likes you. How many know in that moment, everything changes? <laughs> C- come on, it's, that's the moment I'm talking about when you find your passion. It's like, they do, <laughs> everything changes. You find your passion. How many with me say Amen. And so how many feel what I'm saying? It's like God, God wants you to be passionate in this life. And, and so no amount of coax, uh, coaxing and threatening from my parents when I was a kid or others could get me over that. But I had to get into the place where it's getting ready to do what I really wanted to do. And I stepped into my passion and it just exploded in my life. Because that is what I was called to do. And I believe that is with most people in life. When they're not performing as they want to perform, they're not operating at a level they want to operate. And I think you got to stop and say, you got to say, wait a minute. Are you doing what you really want to do? Well, I'm just doing right now what pays the bills. Okay. What is your passion? What's in your heart? Save up for that in this in-between time. Because when you do, it absolutely, it changes your life. The greatest job is when you're confused about the difference between work and play. Amen, or oh me. If you love what you do, you'll do it for free because you love it because you're passionate about it. Boy, I'm raking against the coals here this morning, I can feel. I'm almost done. Question number three. Here's a big one. Can I do what I'd like to do? Now, I'm trying to bring a little wisdom here. That's a great question when I'm asking why I'm not doing what I want to do. One of the things I have to do is I got to ask myself, can I actually do what I'd like to do, because this could be a problem, if you understand where I'm going at this. I mean, if you like to do something, but you really don't have the aptitude or the skill level to do it, you're going to have some real frustrations, okay? A lot of people, they want to be a pastor or be in front of people and speak, and they think that they can do that. I didn't know I could do that. It was like sink or swim, and I remember when we started Harvest, and we opened up our living room, and we had a core few couples, and uh, Jack and Julie, they're still here, Jeff and Penny, uh, Marlis, and a few that, that, that are still here came to those meetings, and, and then we would have the next week, we'd open up to come another Sunday. 
And uh, I remember people started coming, and more people started coming, and Rhonda said to me, why do these people keep coming? <laughs> I said, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they're getting fed. <laughs> but you don't know until you try. All right? You got to step out. You got to step out. And if there was a crash and burn, I would have been doing something else. All right? I was like, ah, I don't think I'm called for that. How many with me say amen? amen? Can I do? You know, when you interview people, you should ask two questions. One is, can you? And number two, will you? Can you deals with ability. Will you, will you deals with your attitude. Will, will you follow my leadership? Will you? You know, there are a lot of people who say, yes, I have the ability, but I won't with attitude. You know, attitude is huge. Let me say that again. Attitude is huge. It's really your determining of your altitude. I would rather have someone uh, with the right attitude working with them uh, than someone that has all the technical competence all in the world, uh, but they don't have the right attitude because you're really not going to do any good. So, so you got to ask yourself, honestly, can I do what I like to do? Earl Nightingale said it well. He said, jobs don't have futures. People do. And some people ask, well, does this job have a future? Does this job have a future? Well, not if you don't. You are the future. I would just say, quit trying to look for a better job. Become a better you. Let's think about, ponder that. If you become a better you, you grow yourself. You'll get a better job. You know, years ago, my wife and I were involved in another church. We hosted a parenting class, and there was this outcry. We need help. Parents need help. And so he said, okay, well, let's host this parenting class. And we spent all this money, and we advertised. And there was a lot of struggling moms and, you know, good people. And they said, okay, what's a good day? Try to get consensus for everybody. You know, you can't please everybody, but it was a day that most said, yes, this is a good day, we want to come out. And, and then, you know, I, I show up and I look around and there's a handful of parents there and I thought, you know, who's the parents that showed up? The parents that had great kids. <laughs> Where are all of We spent all this, come on somebody, you got to grow yourself. You got to be willing to lean in and dig in and say, I can't stay at this level. I don't know everything. I got to press out of my sphere and I have to grow myself. Can I get an amen? Yeah. And so, no job is going to take care of you. You got to take care of yourself for the rest of your life by, by growing yourself, being a good steward of not only God's word, but the calling he has for you. Someone once said, find something like you like to do so much that you'd gladly do it for nothing. And then learn to do it so well that people are happy to pay you for it. That's the way. <laughs> That's the way. So this question, very quickly, and I'm about to end here, can I do what I'd like to do, is a question that we've just, we got to be realistic about. You need to be realistic about. And uh, every once in a while, you run into people and say, well, I just have a dream, and, uh, you know, my dream's going to carry me, and it's important to have a dream. Friends, if your dream does not match your abilities, it'll be a nightmare. That's maybe sound like uh, Simon Cowell on, uh, you know, American Idol. Everyone hated him, but the guy was truthful. He, you cannot sing, <laughs> you know. You, you just don't have it. Somebody, you got to be realistic, your abilities. Is this all right? We're talking about passion here, finding your passion. Some people say, well, if you have a dream, you can, you can just, you can get to do whatever, no, you're on a trip, and you haven't moved, and you're not going anywhere. You know, Pharaoh had a dream. 
in the Old Testament, right? Pharaoh could not understand the dream. Pharaoh needed somebody that had gifts and ability to interpret the dream and execute it. See, Pharaoh had a dream. A lot of people have dreams in the shower. I'm going to do this and that. But how do you execute that? And it's going to take passion to execute that. Very quickly, five questions to ask for yourself really quickly to determine your abilities. Question number one, do I have experience in my desired area? Do you have experience? You know, whatever you're desiring to do, do I have experience in there? When I started in ministry in 1993, working at uh, Country Bible Church, now Destiny Church, uh, I served there almost 10 years. But I learned a lot. I learned looking around going, okay, this is how they do a funeral. This, this is how they do a wedding. Or this is how this church operates this way. I learned a lot, and I took that in and created where I'm at today. And so, so you have to have some experience. Number two, do I have any success in my desired area? I mean, I, I don't mean this wrong, but if all you have is failure in your desired area, life is telling you something. Okay? It's t- <laughs> I don't mean that mean. I don't mean that ugly. You just just re- redirect. Uh, yes, amen. So number three, do I have any training in my desired area? These are just questions asked to determine where your skill on ability levels are. Number four, do I know what is essential in my desired area? Do I know what the basic essentials are for me to be successful in this area? And number five, do I know someone who is successful in my desired area? Are you connected to anyone in that? You just got to ask yourself, can I do what I'd like to do? Amen. Well, stand with me if you would, please. Worship team, you can come forward. And so once again, you got to kind of ask yourself, can I do what I don't want to do? Because if you can't do what you want to do, then realistically, you kind of need to lower your expectations or change your passion. <laughs> or else you'll be a very frustrated person all your life. Heavy head bowed, if you would, please. I know this morning has been more in a teaching, uh, an equipping. We celebrate one year here at our new facility. What's brought us to this point, really, when I look at it this Sunday, is passion. It's passion. Passion. And so I pray of all the mishaps and the stumblings and the falling and areas where I messed up, you could look and say, you know what? The guy's got passion. And passion is crucial in your life and seeing God's purpose fulfilled. Is your faith mediocre? Are you just lifeless and listless with your faith? You're not passionate about your relationship with the Lord. Dr. Albert Schweitzer said that success is not the key to happiness, but happiness is the key to success. If you love what you are doing, you will be successful. Friends, that's passion. That's passion. When you are passionate about what you do, you're never going to give up. You're going to press through. That's why the Bible says Jesus, he set his face like flint toward his purpose and his passion. I can remember the conclusion here. Back in 1992, I was serving at a four-square church just volunteering and would take out uh, teams going out to the beach. I had a 10-foot cross that I made and we'd witness and took a core group of people. It was like the evangelistic team, just going out witnessing, witnessing in the community and I was passionate about that. And well, the pastor asked me, and he said, do you want to share a little bit on a Wednesday night? It was a Wednesday night service. It was maybe 
75 people there. It was one of the larger four-square churches in New England. Dear brother, Bob Prudler, Bob and Jeanine Prudler, they took us in, amazing couple. And I shared that night, and so I was prepared my message and had these points and tried to hit all the points. I stumbled through a lot, and I went up to a lady who was kind of the, she was always a kind of, I don't want to say a critic, but she was always like, well, it was this, or it was flat, or it was that. And so I went up to her, I said, well, what did you think? And all she said was three words. She said, passion, 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 and she walked away. And I thought, it didn't matter all my points. What mattered is, do you believe in what you're saying? Do you believe in what you believe in? Are you passionate about it? Every head bowed here this morning. If you're not, it's going to show up in your life. It's going to show up in your marriage. It's going to show up all areas of your living. Say, Pastor, I feel like I've lost my passion. Obviously, we know we've been through a horrific time in America and even globally and other nations reeling still this old COVID and riots and what's going on, wokeness, just the violence and the hatred and America seems like coming unhinged and now people demonically inspired going in and killing little kids. It's easy to lose your passion. But this is a season, church, that God does not want us to be distracted or fearful. God wants us to stand with our head up high, full of passion, say, you know what? This, for me, in my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. You may want to go to hell and burn there forever. I don't. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to serve God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to raise my kids in a godly Christian atmosphere. And I'm going to train them values from the scripture. A boy's going to know what a boy is. And a girl's going to know what a girl is. And they're going to identify what a woman is. Can I get an amen here this morning? That's a passionate people. That's a passionate person. That's what God is looking for today. Not cowling, fearful, hiding, stacking stuff under the bed, waiting, waiting. No, we step out into the darkness. We walk out into the fear. We walk out where it's dangerous, where the bullets are flying, and we say, we're going to serve the Lord. There is a God that is here, and he's here to heal your life. Every head bowed this morning. You say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I do not have the assurance of salvation. Well, I hope I, I hope I do. No, you don't know. You hope. Hope is good. Hope's good. But the Bible says these things are written that you may know you have eternal life. God wants you to know this morning. I'm passionate about this moment. Why? I'm passionate for souls. The souls come into the kingdom. And I believe there are, there are some people here this morning. You're not right with the Lord. And you, you're stirred this morning and you want, you want to get right with God. So what do I need to do? You need to repent. You need to acknowledge that Jesus is God. You're not. And you need to ask him into your life. You need to, you need to vocalize this. You can't just mental assent. You need to say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. Save me. And he will place his spirit within you. And you'll be born again, as the Bible says. That's what it means to be born again. You're here this morning and say, that's me. I need Jesus. I want to pray together corporately. That you, you pray this prayer. 
you invite Christ in your life, Jesus will come in. He will change your spirit man or spirit woman. He will give you new life, and you'll start on a new path of passion and purpose. You're here this morning. Pray with me. Say this. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. Jesus, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Save me. Jesus, this day, I give you my life. Now take it. Thank you for saving me. I will serve you all the days of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.